Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Movie Geeks United, the monthly Blu-ray report. The Blue Report. We should have, like, these laser sound effects or something when I say the name of the the theme of the episode. Uh, hey, somebody out there, uh, a loyal listener to the show, Luke Kane, who also hosts his own podcast called Celluloid Junkies. Hi, Luke. Luke says, hi, Jamie. I wanted to thank you and Adam for your thoughts on Elvis. It was cathartic as I felt exactly the same way. A total disappointment. Luke agreed with me, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. When it was over. It's all right. When it was over, I turned to my friend and said, that was a good trailer. When, When do you think they'll make the movie? Every time it threatened to get interesting, Lorman would cut to a razzle-dazzle montage and some inso- incidental bit of fluff. The last half hour tries to pay off characters and situations that never bothered to develop. I'm stunned how it managed to remain empty for so long. Um, he also agrees that Austin Butler should be disappointed. How could he give a full-blooded performance in the vice-like confines of this film structure? Okay. Ah. Then he says, vent over. I hope you're keeping happy and well. Glad you made it back to the cinema, even if it was a bit of a bust. MGM, MGM. God, I don't, I can't even say the name of our own podcast. MGU <laughs> remains the best film podcast out there for critical discussion and recommendations. Please pass on my thanks to Adam. Thank you, Luke. Yes, thank you very much. And I'm, it's quite all right you didn't agree with me. I don't, uh, listen, I probably would have felt differently myself if my expectations hadn't have been so low. But I'm telling you, I mean, I guess I would just expected so little from this movie. And the fact that it delivered anything was, uh, I don't know. I guess it just caught me off guard. What can I tell you? Yeah. <laughs> and even if Luke disagreed with me, I, I thank him for his feedback. His next, mm. his email to us next week will be, Jamie, you are full of shit. <laughs> what you said about this movie. And I'll be equally appreciative. Anyway, so let's, we'll take, take let's, let's, we'll take. let's, did you see anything this past week? Or, well, actually, we haven't talked in a month, so, done a show in a month, so in the past month. That is worth well, discussing. It, oh, yeah, I saw theatrically, I saw, uh, nope. Which is uh, a mixed bag. Uh, we talked about this off the air, and um, you know, I um, I enjoyed it. To uh, the the technical merits of the film are, are you know quite impressive. He definitely is a filmmaker who knows what he's doing uh, in terms of the use of the medium of film. But the problem with the film, again, much like us, is the in the storytelling department, and there are a lot of issues. There are a lot of uh, subplots that are really brought up but not really relevant to the i guess you would call them b plots that are not relevant to the a plot and so on and so forth and so that's that's a little disappointing uh to be quite honest uh there's one major uh plot point uh the subplot i should say uh about the uh this tragedy that takes place on this 90s sitcom involving an animal don't want to say too much about it but it just doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the film doesn't pay off uh, it's interesting compelling but you know just doesn't have anything to to do with the rest of the film and so there's a lot of that going on in this movie um but technically it, it is great the movie deserves to be seen on a big screen bigger the better and uh, it's designed that way and there's some there's some impressive sequences but overall 
not not to, it's pretty much along the same lines as us if you were underwhelmed by us and were expecting something major after get out then you were let down a little bit you're probably not going to feel any differently than you did after seeing us and when you see nope and you're going to have the same reaction i think so that's my opinion on it um mm. so yeah in terms of uh other new stuff i saw the uh netflix documentary the girl in the picture which is incredibly compelling i don't know if you saw that or not uh yeah yeah that held my attention yeah it's uh it's quite uh <laughs> Quite the interesting film, I would say. Uh, it's it's a true, you know, it's a, one of these true crime things, and uh, it keeps you keeps you guessing and uh, surprised. A lot of truth is stranger than fiction, I guess you would say. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I liked it. Okay, I, I like the unraveling of the mystery there. You know, mm-hmm. they they do a lot of true crime stuff, and I'll watch all of it, but uh, mm-hmm. one kind of bleeds into the next after a while. Like and Peacock just did a multi-part thing on the bust, uh, the night's uh, no, the hillside stranglers. <laughs> I've gotta, oh, okay. I've got to get my serial killers. Where are those stranglers? Right. Get those stranglers straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it really is a, a relic of a different time. The notion of the serial killer. Did you see Prey? I did not. No, did you? Did you? And what did you? Did you see Eat, Pray, Love? Uh, <laughs> no, I actually did not. Oh, I have to yeah. admit, it's the same thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I it, uh, I don't remember if I saw Predators or not. I definitely didn't see any of the alien predator things. Uh, I did see Predator Two and Predator mm-hmm. One. Predator. That's good. Fir- first Predator still remains the king in the franchise. I would assume that that's pretty safely. fermented in that spot but Mm -hmm. um this one was pretty good it was i heard that it runs a second place in the franchise i think Mm -hmm. i enjoyed it it's a little um i mean the premise itself is ridiculous so you you accept it uh in order to watch and enjoy what it has to offer but it's a little ridiculous in this one in that you know they're a native american tribe and they speak like they were born in the 90s Mm-hmm. Uh, in, you know, regular, you know, layperson English. Um, yeah. So what, when I was watching it, uh, you know, I know it's a forbidden name now, but I kept thinking about Mel Gibson because if you combine the Mel Gibson of Apocalypto, well, just mm-hmm. think of Apocalypto, the the whole p- portrayal of a of a of a people that do not speak the language. And it's completely brutal, bloody, and violent savagery at play. That's what I think the best version of Prey would have been. Uh, but as it is, it's, it's really, I enjoyed it. It was an entertaining movie. Yeah, that, I keep hearing that, and that's a surprise considering the last one was kind of underwhelming, and it was, uh, um, you know, written and, written and directed by the creator of the original predator or who the original scriptor of yeah. the uh, first predator film so uh i was didn't have high hopes for this one so i just kind of skipped it but yeah um that's good uh, but i'm hearing i was surprised yeah a lot of people are saying the same things you are about it and i i definitely need to see it 
So uh, for sure. Uh, in terms of new stuff, I did see the uh, documentary on Alan Funt, uh, Mr. Candid Camera. It's all that. That's okay. That's out there. It's uh, directed by his son. It's a, uh, you know, maybe maybe not quite as uh, doesn't have quite the amount of dirt that you'd like to have on Alan Funt because it's generally known he wasn't a pleasant person to work with or be around. But um, uh, they they don't quite whitewash things. I mean, he's his son is uh, you know, pretty pretty honest about it, but not quite as much as you want him to be. You feel like <laughs> there's more to this story than we're getting, but. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I did see the um, Going Attractions documentary uh, with, hosted uh, with Leonard Malton. I think he was uh, he's a, a featured player in it. Going Attractions: The Definitive Story of the Movie Palace. That's that's pretty good. I would recommend that. It's about um, the title tells you pretty much what it's about. It's about how the uh, movie theaters are disappearing. And uh, it was a TCM co-production, I believe, but. Uh, that is one that I would recommend. A lot of interesting people that we know are in the film and give their insights onto, and you know they they give a good history of the uh, the movie going experience as well. And so it's it's educational and and it puts you in a wistful mood because of the place where we are in right now currently. Yeah. So uh, you know that uh, I, I enjoyed that as well. So those are a few. I rewatched The Counselor. I still don't get it. Oh, I don't either. So I I'm right there with you. <laughs> so it was the second time I watched it since it debuted, and I, mm-hmm. um, I watched The Infiltrator again, and I I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Cranston in it. Um, and then, uh, have you been listening to Tarantino's podcast? I have. Haven't missed a one yet. Well, there's been two and a two, half. Yeah. Two and a half. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, the last one. The third movie they talked about was this movie Delirium. Yes, yes, I'm I'm familiar with it, but have not seen it. Which kind of plays as a, you think it's going to be a kind of a serial killer movie, but it turns out to be something else. Mm-hmm. And they kept plot details at a minimum as they were talking about it on the podcast because they wanted people to discover the surprises for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, you know. I think he's such a great filmmaker, and he's made some of my favorite movies of the past years. But, man, I question his taste in movies, that's for sure. No, I have multiple times. I'm right there with you. I mean, Delirium is, you know, I guess if you really, like, scratch hard at it, that there's something, there's one or two mildly appealing elements in it. But, uh, no, you could see it on YouTube. And it's mm-hmm. not it's not a bad copy uh, on YouTube. Uh, I was wondering about that because, uh, boy, he was really selling it. I'm telling you, in a major way. Yeah, and they were uh, talking about well, Firefox, which, gosh, I can't, I can't remember frame one of that movie. It's pretty bad. We, my son had never seen it, and I uh, rewatched it with him about two or three months ago, and it's pretty bad, <laughs> to admit. I personally think it is. I know there's probably defenders of it, but Moonraker, not for me. Uh, you know. I'm not a huge Bond aficionado. I've seen most of the movies. Uh huh. I'm sure I've seen Moonraker, but again, I can't remember. I like Moonraker. It's goofy. It's everything that it's all the failings that it has that they talk about. Uh, can't defend it, but uh, I like Moonraker. I I do. It's it's goofy, silly, amiable fun. Um, you know, so yeah, I can that I can get on board with, but not so much Firefox. And that first episode they did, they talked about Dark Star. And what was the other one? 
Mm, what was it? It was uh, Cocaine Cowboys, I believe. And I got excited because I thought they were going to talk about the Cocaine Cowboys documentary that I love so much. Right. <laughs> They're talking about the U. Billy Lamel. Corbin's film. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A different breed of cat, my friend. Yeah. Well, so I haven't checked that out. I, I'll probably end up trying to watch Firefox and Moonraker at some point. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Firefox is. Uh, I mean, it's not. It's not god awful. I mean, I, I if I say it's, I can't really say it's ter- terrible, but it's not a good Clint Eastwood movie. It's a, and it's it's very slowly paced. I mean, it takes forever for him to get to the hangar where the uh, the Firefox and the whole you know the thing is you're expecting him to get to Firefox within ten minutes of the film, and then you think well the rest of this film is going to be a great chase sequence where he's being chased by the Russians and right. he's trying to outsmart him. Nope. Not at all. It takes him a well in well into an hour of the film, maybe an hour plus. I can't remember. And there's this whole espionage thing that goes that takes up the first uh, hour of the film, and it is so torturous <laughs> to get through. It is just, and it's it's all of as they say in the podcast. It's like all the actors that are playing uh, Russians in the film. They seem to be German with talking as if they have marbles in their mouths. It's it's really, yeah, and it's uh it's. It's just not a good film, and very, very lethargically. Do you think they made Blue Thunder to do a version of that, that where you actually see the plane for longer? Or could have been. Could a have version been. of that that gives the audience what they want. Yeah, Blue Thunder is much more effectively, you know. It, although it, yeah, that came out the following year, so that's totally possible. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. Yeah, that's it's a much better film. I'm telling you, if you think this is the kind of movie, and it should have been, they should have set up the premise of Firefox in ten minutes, and then boom. The rest of the film should have been a cat and mouse chase with him, you know, taking the plane from Russia and, and the Russians are trying to shoot him down. That that would have been a great film. It just uh, it just doesn't work. But anyway, uh, I did finally get around to seeing the JFK Destiny Betrayed documentary, which essentially for people who don't remember, uh, there was the JFK Revisited. Mm. I think that was the uh, the two hour version of Oliver Stone's new JFK documentary. And then there was a four-hour version that had been suppressed, but now it's out on Blu-ray. We can uh, talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, that was uh, one of the titles this month from Shout. And its uh, I liked it much better than the two-hour version, I must admit. It was much more uh, – I guess the two-hour version felt a little choppy, and this there was some stuff here that I didn't uh, recall. Well, obviously, I didn't see it in the two-hour version. It wasn't there. Uh, but it's just um, – I don't know. I enjoyed it a whole lot more. Uh, it seemed seemed to work better in its four-hour uh, non-truncated format, and uh, you know a lot of it is stuff that we know, and you know he's kind of going over it again. But there's some interesting uh, revelations and things that we may not know, or I didn't know. So uh, I would definitely recommend it. It's a new set that has has the uh, a DVD of uh, both the two-hour and the four-hour, and a Blu-ray of the two-hour and four-hour. So you get four discs and a new commentary uh, by Oliver Stone over the um, over the uh, uh, the two hour version. He doesn't do the whole four hours, but uh, hmm. yeah, yeah, I've seen both of them. I mean, I enjoyed them as far as it goes. It's a very mm-hmm. uh, it, it it's a no frills thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he brought back Robert Richardson to film it. I was getting ready to say that you uh, you read my mind, and it's uh it's absolutely no no frills. It's kind of uh, stylus, and mm-hmm. he um 
he employed uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Donald Sutherland to do various narrations on it. Yes. Which, in a way, uh, I was appreciative of because uh, one of the things that was so off-putting to me about Secret History series was his narration. He has such an odd way of his his <laughs> his narration, like he the way he emphasizes certain words in a sentence, it just feels off. It's like, are you trying to be Chris Walken? So what what's going on here? Right. It's just an odd reader. Uh, it's true. It's true. But it's, I would, yeah, I it's, it's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. He's, he's he's his explosive days are over. Even his <laughs> even his elder statesman days are over. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I think probably something like Nixon is the perfect blend between, you know, the the avant gardist and the elder statesman. It mm-hmm. feels like a transitional movie for him. Nixon. It does. It really does, yeah, because I don't think he was ever up to quite his peak. Even though he, even though he goes style crazy in U-turn, I mean that. Yeah. That movie's balls out, not so. It's just, and I like U-turn. It's just in the service of a, a B movie kind mm-hmm. of conception. Yeah, for me, Nixon is the last great, truly great Oliver Stone film uh, in that ten-year run that went from Salvador, I guess, all the way through you know eighty-five to ninety-five. It was quite a run, though. Got to admit it. And uh, I've said it before that I was taking it for granted at the time. I thought, oh, he's just going to be churning these films out for 20, 30 years. I can't wait to see what he's doing in 20 years, 30 years. No, it was a brief run when all in in terms of the uh, number of years. It was a 10-year run. And he was pumping them out, and then it was pretty much it was, uh, it was a different kind of filmmaker after that. But, you know, it was yeah. fun while it lasted. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I revisited a couple things, too. Magnolia, my son had never seen, uh, revisited that to, to experience that with him, and he enjoyed it. Um, he's quite the movie buff, and uh, I'd always promised him that I was going to show him that, and so that we watched that, and I, uh, the Criterion sale happened last month, of course, and I picked up four titles that I didn't have, and one of those was The Fisher King, which I had not seen probably in 25 years, I would say. Wow. Saw it when it came out in the theater, and I saw it once more after that, and I don't think I'd seen it since. And totally works, totally holds up. Uh, really, really great film, I think. Mm. And uh, okay, well, so, hey, how about Blu-rays? Yes, about the Blu-rays. So let's do it. Yeah, uh, it's quite a few. Uh, we'll start with July fifth, and we will, um, you know, call out a few here that came out on July fifth, which was the first. Tuesday in the month, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is the hugely successful indie film, uh, still playing in theaters, I'm told, in some places, um, from directors Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, and uh, this is the one that, you know, it's, uh, it's, I still haven't seen it, I hate to say it, um, but I have not, starring Michelle Yeoh and uh, James Hong. Jenny Slate, and it's about something about multiple universes and all that stuff. I'm not 100% sure, but anyway, did not uh, did not see it, but uh, it is out for the home viewer who didn't see it, like myself, uh, that uh, it has now been issued by Lionsgate. And uh, so we have that. We have... Edge of Tomorrow, the uh, Tom Cruise film from 2014, has been has made the leap to 4K. How about them apples? 
Hmm. Uh, no new extras, just a new 4K upgrade in terms of transfer. But hey, if you're a fan of Edge of Tomorrow, I wonder if they're ever going to do that sequel. Um, you know, they've been threatening that for years. I uh, wonder if that's ever going to happen. That, you know, they should have called it Live, Die, Repeat. I know, yeah, yeah. Because right. they just couldn't get settle on a good title for it. Yeah. Even so, you know, uh, Live, Die, Repeat is... It's great. I mean, it's a perfect description of the movie, and it's it's a curious title. Edge of Tomorrow mm-hmm. is a soap opera title. Yeah, that's it to, true. To totally missells it. Yeah, but it's a good movie. I mean, it, it, in terms of that kind of canon, it's a it's a top tier kind of effort. Yep, I would totally. What is agree. Doug Liman doing? Is Doug Liman? I saw him announced for something. Is he doing the H. H. Holmes miniseries with Keanu Reeves? Hmm. I think he's directing that. I could be wrong. Because Hulu's doing Devil in the White City. Mm-hmm. And Scorsese and DiCaprio are producing, and then Keanu's starring in it. It was the first TV starring kind of thing. Which that looks promising. Interesting. Definitely. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I th- that sounds about right, though. I'm not 100% sure. And then uh, apparently yeah. Doug Liman's going to do Tom Cruise's space movie, whatever that turns mm-hmm. out to be. Yeah, maybe the uh, maybe its uh, uh, title will get changed multiple times as well. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. Uh, so The Hunted from 2003, I believe that's William Friedkin film that's been issued by paramount finally on blu-ray never got a blu-ray issue in the past so but it finally made it never did see that one never that was i didn't either that was a mildly mildly popular friedkin i think it was yep Mm -hmm. benicio and tommy lee jones yep Mm -hmm. that is true so uh trio of uh well, I guess we'll just go ahead and uh, cover all the Kino films here. Uh, I was going to say a trio of uh, insect um, films where insects attack people and all that uh, TV films, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Martin Cove was in Steel Justice from 1987, and this also starred Celia Ward and Ronnie Cox. And uh, uh, I think it's a you know revenge Vietnam War vet, you know, trying to cash in on the success of Rambo and uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, anyway, I never saw it, but uh, it was uh, has been issued by Kino Steel Justice with a new audio commentary by the star Martin Cove and the writer-director mm. Robert Boris, moderated by film historian Alex Van Dyne. Uh, this, I guess, Martin Cove's getting a, a second, uh, another career resurgence with his uh, oh, yeah. uh, teaming up on the uh, the Cobra Kai. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, what was Celia Ward's last good movie? Gosh, I don't know. I'd have to see her resume to find out. To, Maybe to there's something I'm unaware of, but I think it's probably Gone Girl. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, I can't think of anything. Because you remember her in Gone Girl, right? Oh, what character did she play? Because I haven't seen it she since played, 2014. She played like the the guy that did the, the guy. She played the woman that did the interview with Ben Affleck, the primetime interview with, and, and you knew that she. Oh was, yes, yes. She yes, was yes, out yes. to tear him apart. Oh yes, yes, that was good. Yeah, I uh, I quite liked that movie. It was good. I should go back and revisit it, but uh, just for whatever reason, I, she is in Westworld, 
which you know the TV series Westworld. Yeah, the TV uh, ser- series. Oh, yeah, I didn't so know that. I didn't know that. I guess some some people are fans of that, but uh, yeah, she. You know, my yeah, favorite think... movie with her in it. What was it? I'm curious. <laughs> was it 54? <or> was it? <laughs> was she in 54? Really? Yeah, she was. Yeah, she played a character, Billy Oster. Hmm. Yep. Anyway, yeah. Nothing in common. Hello again. Nothing in common. Yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah, she is in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. She's, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's got an interesting resume. There's definitely some, some, uh, obviously the fugitive. We can't miss that. Oh, what was she and in that? She, uh, Helen Kimball. I think she was the, uh, the deceased wife in the flashbacks, oh, I believe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I yeah, she's she like, she's like, like the 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 made for cable movie version of Sea Ward was Joan Severance, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass. It just, that, I, I don't mean that. But. Play Jessica Savage in the uh, TV movie version oh, of the Jessica Savage story. So that's interesting. Did, yeah. Was that a whitewash of her story? I don't know. Or? I never got around to seeing it. I remember when it was uh, it was 1995. I remember, and uh, I would be curious to see that. Yeah, it's an interesting story. Wasn't yep, Michelle that. Pfeiffer and Up Close and Personal partially based on? Yeah, Jessica? I think there was some. Yeah, yeah. I think when you're talking about a certain period of time and female, you know, primetime newscasters, it, mm-hmm. you really don't have much else to draw on. But Jessica Savage at a certain period of time, or Barbara mm-hmm. Walters, or Diane Sawyer, you know, there's the there are the majors in a certain era. Oh yeah, very true. Very true. Well, anyway, uh, moving back to uh, the Kino releases for July. The Dark Side of Cinema, Volume 8. That includes Street of Chance from 1942, uh, Inter Arsene Lupin from 1944, and Temptation from 1946, with new audio commentaries on all three films. Uh, We have a, a double feature of two films starring Sammy Davis Jr. and Peter Lawford. Imagine that. Salt and Pepper and One More Time. Uh, 1968 and 1970 are the release dates for these two films, uh, directed by Richard Donner. Both films, believe it or not. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Which ones? Uh, Salt and Pepper from 1968 and One More Time from 1970. Both directed by Richard Donner and Sammy Davis Jr. and Peter Lawford. Get it? Salt and Pepper? (laughs) Oh, boy. They had to make that one obvious, didn't they? Could could they make that less obvious? I should say. Oh, anyway, um, Ebony and Ivory on the soundtrack. Right there, you go. My goodness. Well, anyway, it's uh, they're caper films. You know, London's coolest cats taking on England's craziest criminals. Oh. When a sexy spy turns up dead in their ultra cool nightclub, Salt, played by Sammy Davis Jr. and P- and Pepper, played by Lawford. Believe it or not, they're well, they give yeah, there's Austin there's the twist. How clever! <laughs> they discover a plot to overthrow the government. But anyway, uh, they reteamed them for the other one. And anyway, I haven't seen either one of them, so I can't say a whole lot about them. But anyway, another double feature has been issued. They call me Mr. Tibbs and the organization, mm. and those uh, are obviously sequels to In the Heat of the Night, starring Sidney Poitier in both of them. 1970 and 1971 for those. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no extras on those. Um, they're kind of ho hum, I think. From yeah, what I, 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 I understand that the the significance of a franchise for Portier's character, but I mean, come on, uh, they're totally different animals than in the Heat of the Night. 
Mm-hmm. True, true, true. Yeah. Well, you don't have Norman Jewison, so you know. <laughs> or, or 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 a plot of much significance. I don't, I don't know about I don't know about the organization. I've only seen they call me Mr. Right. Tibbs. But. Call me Mr. Tibbs. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Well, Maria Montez and John Hall collection is a, a collection of their films together from uh, 1942 to 45. Uh, their lavish fantasy adventures uh, in. Uh, uh, directed by Arthur Lubin, who also did the Francis Talking Mule films. And uh, it's three of their films, White Savage, Gypsy Wildcat, Sudan. Anyway, uh, new uh, audio commentaries for them. So anyway, uh, Marty, the Oscar winner for Best Picture of 1955 and Best Actor as well, Ernest Borgnine. Uh, beautiful film. I love it. Um, and it has previously only been available in the 1.33 to 1 aspect ratio. Now we get, for the first time, the widescreen aspect ratio and the square boxy aspect ratio of the film. Don't know why they never did this before, but they never did. It's a new audio commentary by entertainment journalist, author Brian Reisman, Max Every. And, uh, you know, it's, it was originally one of the... Uh, you know, it, was a, it was a television drama that was expanded to a feature film. Uh, first Oscar for Patty Chayefsky as well. And uh, just, you know, if you haven't seen it, anybody listening, uh, could not recommend it more. It's just a beautiful, beautiful film about, um, you know, a lonely man, a, a fat, ugly man, as he calls himself, uh, who, uh, you know, f- doesn't expect to find love, but he does when he uh, happens to go to the to the dance and put on the puts on the the blue suit as his mother tells him to do. So when he meets a lonely school teacher and his world changes, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. So anyway, uh, it, it's billed as a masterpiece of warm hearted storytelling. And I would tend to agree. There are a lot of detractors, people who said this should not have one best picture over East of Eden uh, because it was in competition with East of Eden. But I disagree. I think it deserved it. Mm-hmm. I like East of Eden. It's fine. But Marty is the one that resonates for me. So, yeah. So I'll shut up about Marty. Uh, uh, it's always been a favorite, but um, I could go on and on. Another film that's been really hard to find over the years, only previously issued on VHS. And I was delighted that they issued this this month on Blu-ray. It's called Where the Lilies Bloom from 1974. And it's uh, Harry Dean Stanton is in this, Rance Howard. And a bunch of child actors that really did this film and nothing, not much else after that. But it's written by Earl Hamner, who did the Waltons. He did the uh, screenplay. It's based on an award-winning book, Newberry Award-winning book by Vera and Bill Cleaver. It's a simple story about these four children, and their father is uh, Rance Howard, and he's very sickly as the film starts. And basically, they know he, they can sense that he doesn't have a lot of time left, and so. These, uh, the, the second oldest of the girls decides to take it upon, take it upon herself to, uh, figure out a plan if their dad should die. And she decides that they'll just bury him on the mountain where they live. And this is a, they're a rural family. They live in rural North Carolina. And she decides they'll bury their father and uh, say their goodbyes that way and not tell anybody and just pretend like he's still alive. So they won't be split up and sent to, you know, the orphan's home or whatever. And life will go on. At least they think so. So anyway, it's just a beautiful film about uh, you know, the, the spirit of these children trying to uh, carry on after the death of their father and do the best they can. And Harry Dean Stanton uh, is a uh, he's a, 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 a 
a guy who's kind of got a crush on the oldest sister and he keeps asking her to marry him and uh, their dad was against their marriage and so uh, the young the second sister who's trying to keep the family together isn't sure it's a good idea either but Harry Dean's good as he always was in this film also and uh, just a beautiful story uh, well told and like I said uh, from Earl Hamner Jr. who did the Waltons if you like that sort of thing it's just a and kind of funny there's some humor in this too uh, it's not all it's not all dour so anyway, the uh, where the I'll get that out. Where the lilies bloom from 1974, beautiful little film that's been hard to find and now has been issued with a new audio commentary by film historian Daniel Creamer. Anyway, um, let's move along. Night Gallery uh, has been issued. It's second season, season two of Night Gallery was the first full season of Night Gallery. The first season, I think, was just, uh, it was part of the uh, wheel of shows. You know, they would do like four shows and it was part of a a rotating wheel of shows. And this is the the, uh, first year that it actually became its own show. And, um, all the seasons, all the shows are here from 71 to 72. You get some directors like, uh, Jeanock Schwartz and John Batham, whom you've spoken with multiple times. He cut his teeth, uh, directing episodes of, Night Gallery. We have uh, Vincent Price and uh, David Carradine, Ray Milland, Orson Welles, Adam West. Those are some of the ones that you uh, see appearing as guests. So um, anyway, uh, new uh, commentaries here, new 2K Masters and all that stuff. Uh, A lot of promos and all that. So anyway, uh, if you're a Night Gallery fan, there you go. Uh, I'm Dangerous Tonight was one of Toby Hooper's uh, later films. Mm-hmm. And I like it, actually. Uh, I'm not going to tell you it's the greatest film ever ever made, but... (coughs) (laughs) It's okay, just get you some water, man. We'll wait. I thought I was okay. Jeez, man. Dangerous Tonight is uh, one of the later efforts from director Toby Hooper of Texas Chainsaw Massacre fame. And I would say that it's not a great film, but an interesting film. And it has its delights. Certainly among them is the uh, cast. Cast is amazing in this film. Uh, You've got Arlie Ermey, Dee Wallace, Anthony Perkins, Natalie Schaefer from Gilligan's Island, Mrs. Howell, Um, uh, Mary Fran from Newhart. I mean, it's it's an incredible cast. I don't know what else to say. Um, and it's uh you know effective in in spots. It was a made for USA uh, television, uh, made for TV movie for the USA T- uh, network. But it's basically uh, the story of this red cloak that anybody that puts it on becomes possessed and they do murderous deeds and all that stuff. But um, anyway, it has a new audio commentary by Christopher Wolfler. And Will Dodson, or Wolfter, Christopher Wolfter, sorry, and Will Dodson, editors of American Twilight, the cinema of Toby Hooper. Hmm. A new audio commentary by filmmaker historian Michael Verratti. Devil in a Red Dress is a uh, interview with actress Dee Wallace. 
Seeing Red is an interview with the director of photography, and Making I'm Dangerous Tonight is a behind-the-scenes footage with optional commentary by the videographer, Stan G.E.C. And so, um, anyway, it's uh, uh, loaded with extras, basically. I'm Dangerous Tonight from 1990, directed by Toby Hooper, uh, and a curio, I would say. Yeah. And speaking of those who uh, we just mentioned, Arlie Ermey, obviously, uh, from uh, Full Metal Jacket, uh, another a Kubrick film has been issued by Kino this month, The Killing, as part of their Kino Lorber classics, of course. Uh, it has a new HDR master, Dolby Vision, from a 4K scan of the original camera negative, and a new commentary by author and film historian Alan K. Rode. So those are your extra features that you get here, but you do get the new transfer, and it's... Uh, I mean, it's a classic, uh, you know, it's a classic heist film. What can I say? Uh, you know, nothing more I can add to it. One of the early efforts of Kubrick and uh, Sterling Hayden and Vince Edwards, Alicia Cook Jr. and you know, blah blah blah. And it's the best advertisement I know of for uh, making sure you have good luggage wherever you travel. So anyway, <laughs> that's really yeah. I mean, he was a very socially conscious filmmaker, and that was the message of that one. <laughs> Check your luggage. Make sure it's in good condition. That's the message of the film. Yeah, and that was his hidden message. You know, there's all kinds of hidden messages in uh, yeah. in The Shining and some of his other films, but it's all about the luggage in this one, folks. So anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind has been issued. Have you seen these? I don't know why I thought of this. What? Have you seen these fake toys? Like and I get maybe I guess they sell them on some website or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean they're like joke toys. Like you'd buy action figures or something from a movie, and so uh-huh. the I mean they got them photoshopped, or maybe they really produced them so that it looks exactly like one of the old Mattel toys or something. And there's one for The Shining that is like, <laughs> it's like Wendy when she's talking to the child psychologist. And she's holding a cigarette that's burned almost all the way down, and the and the fake toy is like Wendy's cigarette, <laughs> and it's this cigarette with this like really long ash. And yeah. I'm like, can you really buy that? I haven't checked that out. If that's because I know there are some sites that sell, you know, arm, and there's just an arm in <laughs> the display box. It's just hysterical to me. Love it, dude. I love it. Uh, that no, I haven't seen that. That's a new one on me. That's yeah, great. Mm, it's good. I love it. Well, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind has been issued in 4K uh, from 2004. I'm a big fan of this one as well. Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, you know, Kirsten Dunst, Mark Ruffalo. Saw this one in a theater opening weekend and uh, really uh, liked it then. But I, 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 I love it now. Uh, it's one of those movies that grows on me each time I see it. Um, a lot of interesting stuff going on there. Um, you know, it's basically, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's about a clinic where you can get the memories erased, uh, of your, in case you had a bad relationship, you can get all those memories released, uh, erased and you don't have to relive your previous relationship and you can move on with your life. But, uh, that's essentially what happens, but we have the character here played by Jim Carrey who does that and then has second thoughts whether he should do that or not. So anyway, it's an interesting film. You never know exactly where it's going to go. Uh, you get a lot of the archive uh, features are being uh, 
brought back over here. And I think there's a few new ones as well. And, um, you know, it's, uh, like I said, it's a two disc set. I think you get the Blu-ray and the, uh, and the 4K disc. So anyway, anyway, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind from 2004. A Time Out of Mind, uh, from 1947. Phyllis Calvert and Robert Hutton. This is a, uh, Oh, this is a lush, nor-tinged melodrama set in 19th century New England, where a housekeeper falls in love with uh, a uh, wealthy man, played by Robert Hutton, and they, he's a wealthy ship captain's son, uh, and he, uh, she is the mute witness to his frustration and unhappiness, which culminates in a, uh, with her alcoholism, and I don't know exactly what all happens after that, but anyway... Time Out of Mind has been issued uh, by from 1947 by Kino as well. New commentary by Cat Ellinger. And we have Planet of the Vampires from 1965, directed by Mario Bava and starring Barry Sullivan. And that uh, has new commentary by Kim Newman and uh, Barry Forshaw. And audio commentary by the by Tim Lucas. Look at there. Mario Bava biographer. <laughs> oh, Tim Lucas. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, the less said, the better. Hey, moving along. Moving along. Yes, uh, so we have, uh, I teased about this earlier. We have a trio of, um, you know, this is uh, late 70s. We had a lot of these films where insects were attacking people, like the swarm and things like that in theaters. And so, you know, uh, television, made-for-television movies were imitating whatever was going on the, on the big screen at that time. And so Kino has issued three of those from the late mm-hmm. 70s. Tarantulas, The Deadly Cargo, from 1977, starring Claude Akins and uh, Tom Atkins. Yeah, there you go. Deborah Winters, Pat Hingle, Howard Hessman, and Burt Remsen. That's a pretty good cast. Uh, and uh, it's what happens when uh, some Americans fly down to Ecuador to pick up some Premium coffee beans and the tarantulas get loose in the bean and get stuck, you know, get, get into the bean bags and they bring them back and, you know, you know what happens. Uh, has new commentary by Amanda Reyes, who's the, uh, um, written a book about TV movies previously and she's a film historian. Um, Terror Out of the Sky, also known as Revenge of the Savage Bees, starring Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., Dan Haggerty and Tova Feldsha and Philip Baker Hall. <laughs> Believe it or not, uh, yeah, that has a commentary by David Delval and David Decoctu, and uh, that was actually a, uh, I think it was a sequel to The Savage Bees from 1976. Both of them were produced by Alan Landsberg, who also did the uh, uh, In Search of Television series, which had a lot of a lot of their episodes focused on the threats of killer bees and things like that. Ants from 1977 starred Robert Foxworth, Linda Day, George, Suzanne Summers, Bernie Casey, and Myrna Loy, and Brian Dennehy. And it's uh, basically about a uh, oh, uh, also known as it happened at Lakewood Manor. And it's uh, basically Lakewood Manor gets overrun with ants, uh, you know. So it's so it's it's interesting it's also produced by alan landsberg as well i think all three of these may have been but anyway you get a new audio commentary by lee gambin a good friend lee gambin and the ex fangoria co-chief editor rebecca mckendry and so uh there you go um uh i would uh, like to see all three of these again just for 
whatever it's worth. I, I remember seeing, I know I saw Tarantulas, the Deadly Cargo, and Tear Out of the Sky with my with my dad. We used to watch a lot of made-for-television films, and those are two that I have fond memories of seeing with him uh, when they originally aired. I, I don't remember Tear Out of the Sky being particularly great, but I remember uh, I remember Tarantulas, the Deadly Cargo, not being so bad. So. And the ants, I don't remember a whole lot about. I saw it, but anyway. Not the same but, as Empire of the Ants, which was, that was Joan Collins, right? Yeah, that's the giant ants. These are regular sized ants. Oh. So that's the difference. The size makes all the difference. <laughs> it did to Joan Collins. Yes, it did. There you go. Good, good, good one. Good one. Well, anyway, so we'll move along to the uh, Criterion uh, releases for July. We have Okja. From Bong Joon Ho, and that's um, this. It was a well-regarded film from that director who would go on to win the Oscar for Parasite, and this is from 2017. Um, this is um, stars uh, Stephen Yoon, Jake Gyllenhaal, Tilda Swinton, uh, Paul Dano, and um, anyway, it gets uh, you get a new 4K digital. Uh, Master, you get a, it's actually being issued in Blu-ray and 4K. Sorry about that. New conversations between Bong and producer, uh, Du Ho Choi. And, uh, new interviews with members of the crew about the cinematography, visual effects, short programs, uh, including a director's video diary and, uh, all that good stuff. So the Virgin Suicides has been issued on 4K, made the leap to 4K. Uh, this has been previ- previously issued by uh, Criterion in Blu-ray, and they're just going to, they're just porting over the uh, previous extras. I think, I don't think there's anything new here. There's a 1998 short film by Sofia Coppola, music videos, uh, making of 1998, making of documentary and interviews. So, uh, there you go. Raging Bull makes the 4K leap this month, uh, last month as well, I should say. Uh, you know, what else can you say about Raging Bull? It's one of the films that's, Seminal films of the 1980s uh, that's still in the conversation. I guess it always will be. Uh, you get three audio commentaries. This has previously been issued by Criterion on Laserdisc, but I don't think on uh, on their label on Blu-ray or DVD. Uh, so, But you get the 4K edition and Blu-ray edition. Both have been issued. Um, you get a making-of program, three short programs highlighting the long-time collaboration between Scorsese and De Niro, a TV interview from 81 with Kathy Moriarty and the real Vicky LaMotta. And, uh, and you get a program about veteran boxers reminiscing about LaMotta. You get uh, three audio commentaries. I think one of these or maybe two of these are from the old laser disc. So, uh, you know, there you go. Summertime. What is, what is the, um, the director of Maniac? What's his name? William Lustig. William Lustig. How is he related to Jake LaMotta? Uh, I, uh, that's a factoid I wasn't aware of. Nephew. Hmm. They're nephews. Okay. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, because I, I remember we had Lustig on the show. I think Aaron interviewed him, and uh-huh. they talked a little bit about LaMotta. So there's your movie trivia. Yes, it is indeed. That's a good one. Very good. Well... Before David Lean went on to make all those epics that he made from uh, the late 50s all the way through the end of his career, he used to make smaller films. And one of the last smaller films that he made was Summertime, which is a a romance that takes place in Venice. 
at the height of summer, during Catherine Hepburn, uh, as a lonely middle-aged American tourist, confronted, uh, forced to confront her deep-seated insecurities when she uh, starts an affair with a Italian shopkeeper, played by Rosano Brazzi, and uh, you get Darren McGavin in this as well, playing in a supporting role. Did Polly Kell um, hate it? Did she hate it? I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's right. She hated so much of his other stuff. That's true. I don't know. Custom to retire for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She did. But yeah, he took a 15-year gap because of her. Uh... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, totally ridiculous. Tough. True, true, true. But, um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a Blu-ray edition here and a DVD edition. And uh, this is uh, has audio excerpts of a 1988 interview with uh, Jack Hildyard and an interview with director David Lean from 1963, uh, believe it or not, and a new interview with film historian Melanie Williams. So uh, anyway, Summertime has been issued by Criterion. So uh, there you go. I think that's one that... Um, that they've uh, talked about, or there's been talk about them issuing that one, but they finally got around to it. So uh, Devil in a Blue Dress uh, has been given the 4K upgrade as well, and also a new Blu-ray, um, you know, directed by Carl Franklin and starring Denzel Washington as Easy Rollins. Uh, you know, it takes place in the 40s, late 40s, after World War II in Los Angeles, and uh, kind of a highlights some of the struggles of African Americans had during that time and I think uh, it's gotten it wasn't wasn't too successful when it uh, came out uh, it's based on a, the novels by Walter Mosley and they were I think they had an idea that this might be a series of novels but um, it did not happen uh, the one it was one and done but this new edition of Devil in a Blue Dress has uh a new well, it has a new conversation between Franklin and actor Don Cheadle. A new conversation between Walter Mosley, author of the novel, and screenwriter uh, Attica Locke. On stage conversation between Franklin and film historian Eddie Mueller. Screen test for Don Cheadle and a commentary, a archival commentary, and um, so anyway, Devil in a Blue Dress being issued by Criterion and Drive My Car, the uh, the winner for best foreign film from last year. Um, I thought it was okay. I don't think it's quite as good as its reputation suggests, but what do I know? But anyway, it's being issued at a, uh, a Blu-ray. It's uh, no no 4K, just Blu-ray on this one. And you get a few new extras here, a program about the making of the film and a press conference footage and uh, festival and trailer and all that stuff. So anyway, that's your Criterion releases for, uh, for the month. Okay. And so... That moves us along to, um, oh, let's see what we've got here. Moving along to July 12th, the Beatles Get Back documentary from Peter Jackson has made its way to Blu-ray, finally, after multiple delays, but it finally finally found its way to Blu-ray. And uh don't know if you got around to seeing it. I believe you did. I think we talked about it, but uh, yeah. I liked it. I thought it yeah. was quite, quite good. Um, you know, a lot of people said it was tedious and too slow, but I think you're missing the point. Um, you know, being, uh, you know, the, the, um, artistic creation is tedious and slow usually. And so that's what the film was about. And so <clears throat> I thought it was a great, uh, invaluable portrait of 
the process of creating art. Yeah. If nothing else. Uh, so it's, it's good. Uh, Angel Heart is being issued in 4K from Lionsgate from 1987. Uh, you know, the, uh, Robert De Niro playing the devil here. Uh, <laughs> what more can you say? Alan Parker directed, uh, I think, I don't know that there's any new extras here. I think it's just, uh, archival stuff being ported over. But anyway, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom has been issued, uh, in a new Steelbook edition. Uh, it's previously, uh, it's 4K. It, uh, last year was issued as part of the, uh, Indiana Jones collection, but this, this year it gets a standalone, standalone, uh, release. Uh, Rough Cut starring Burt Reynolds and Leslie Ann Down from 1980 has been issued as part of the Paramount Classics, Paramount Presents line of titles, rather. Um, so, yep, that, uh, I never got around to seeing that. That's a blind spot for me in the, uh, catalog of, on well, the resume of Burt Reynolds, I didn't Which one? see Rough Cut from 1980. Oh, God. No, me neither. But it got the, uh, got the Paramount Presents treatment, which mm-hmm. is, uh, it's a new featurette and, uh, you know, it's a limited edition, special edition, all that. So I guess they felt like it was worthy. So, uh, the Six Million Dollar Man, I know it's not a film per se, but we'll talk about it. The complete series has been issued by Shout Factory in a, a massive box set that even includes all of the post-series television films. So uh, get that. Uh, the Frisco Kid is part of the Warner Archive collection for the month of July, and that stars Gene Wilder and Harrison Ford. What a pairing, right? Uh, directed by Robert Aldrich, who um, gave us Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, among many other things, Fly to the Phoenix. And it's about a... Uh, Polish rabbi, played by Gene Wilder, wandering through the old west on his way to lead a synagogue in San Francisco, and when he's uh, he's nearly burned at the stake and killed by outlaws, and pairs up with Harrison Ford. And anyway, it's uh, uh, has an interesting supporting cast too: George DeCenzo and Raymond Bieri, great character actors. Uh, yeah, it gets um, um. You know, it's kind of get got middling reviews when it came out, but I don't think there are any extras on this. But uh, the Frisco Kid has been issued as part of the Warner Archive collection. Nope, there are new no new extras. First time ever release on Blu-ray for that. Uh, a couple of Paramount releases here: uh, Leap of Faith from 1992, Baby's Kids from 1992, Georgia Rule from 2007, and um, Safe Men from 1998, Last Holiday from 2006. Uh, those are a few. And then we have, uh, oh, let's what, is, what are those from? Those are from Paramount. Paramount, yeah, okay. Those are from Paramount. And so Changing Lanes is another one. That's from 2002. And we'll move along to July 19th. The Men in Black got a new issue in 4K. It's been pre- previously issued, but it got a another upgrade. Um, I think that's all three films. Hell High from 1989 is an Arrow release. This is a cult horror film. It's kind of hard to find. Uh, it's about a, a teacher who accidentally caused the deaths of several of her students, and then she's uh, there's some people seeking revenge for their deaths and terrorizing the teacher, and uh, it has some new 
documentaries, featurettes, and commentaries, and all that stuff. It's an Arrow release, Hell High. And uh, Good Burger has been issued. Uh, that's uh, from 1997, 25th anniversary, limited edition steelbook. It was based on the uh, Nickelodeon series or something of that nature. I remember the. Uh, it's directed by Brian Robbins, who I think now uh, runs Paramount, I believe. <laughs> if I'm not I never, mistaken. I never told you my Good Burger story, did I? No, let's hear it. So the, uh, when I was promoted to manager of the movie theater, our GM was called to jury duty, so he was gone for a couple of weeks. It was a scary time for him because it was some kind of mob-related thing, and it was a murder case. And when you're up there and you're, you know, you're called to uh, to be considered for the jury, you got to give your name and your address and all that kind of stuff right in front of the murderer that's sitting in front oh, of you. It's yeah. scary. Anyway, that's not the story. So I was in charge of a lot of the stuff that he took uh, that he was normally doing, including placing ads in newspapers. So. And the sarcastic person that I am, like when Good Burger came out, I would like put little tags, you know, like at the bottom of the ad where it says, held over a second week or something like that. I'd put stuff like, it's burgerific. (laughs) 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 And my my boss would see these papers when they'd arrive in the morning and he'd be like, God, Jamie, stop. And then I'd be up at the box office and I'd just go up to the microphone. I'd call out. Ladies and gentlemen, there are only 176 tickets left for this showing of Good Burger. That was the the amount of seats in the movie theater. Get the tickets while you can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know anything about the movie. I never saw it. But oh gosh, well you're probably better off. But... So every time somebody mentions that movie, I just think it's burgerific. Burgerific. And they, you know, they got, should have quoted you. They and the guy, the, the... the guy, the ledger is like, "You sure you want to put this?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, you know, they should have quoted you, and it should be all over this steel box. That would have that would have been the trick. That would sell. It's too bad. Yeah. There you go. So the uh, 2003 film uh, Natalie, starring Fanny Ardant and Gerard Depardieu, and. Uh, it's uh, it's about this woman whose husband's unfaithful, doesn't want revenge. She's just curious and wants to share the experience. But in secret, she hires an elite prostitute to seduce her husband and report back to Catherine. And okay, uh, now, now I know why Depardieu did it. Uh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this is uh, one of the Cohen Cohen Film Collection, uh, and it's also uh, distributed by Kino Lorber. And um, so I didn't get around to seeing it, uh, but I, you know. I think it was kind of got middling reviews. Not really sure, but anyway, uh, the Adventures of Don Juan from oh 1948. This is one of those swashbucklers from er- uh, starring Errol Flynn, and I think it was like his third swashbuckler that he made in his career. And anyway, uh, get a new uh, upgrade on this. Uh, it's a, one of those Technicolor things that they used to do. You know, Warner Brothers actually made this film as well. It's not one of their MGM titles. Uh, you also get Vivica Linfors in this, Robert Douglas, Alan Hale, and Rutherford. And it's directed by Vincent Sherman. You get a commentary by the director, Vincent Sherman, and historian Rudy Bellmer. I guess this would have been a while back since I think uh, Vincent Sherman's been gone a while. One or Night at the Movies, 1948 Short Subjects Gallery. And uh, you get a vintage newsreel, Oscar-nominated uh, comedy short, animated cartoon. 
Hair Splitter, and the theatrical trailer. So The Adventures of Don Juan being issued by Blu-ray. Oh, let's see. So moving along. Uh, Species from 1995 has been given the 4K upgrade from Scream Factory. It's previously issued by Blue on Blu-ray from Scream Factory. Now they've been gone the 4K route. And um, I don't think there's anything new here in terms of extras, except for the transfer. You do get the new transfer, but I think everything else is pretty much carried over from the previous release. But you have... Um, you have a, it's a three disc set. You have the wow. 4K disc, and then you have the Blu-ray, uh, uh, the film on Blu-ray as well, and then you have a, a third Blu-ray of just the extras. So, if you're a fan of Species, and uh, who isn't? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, it's burgerific. Uh, it's burgerific. There you go. Oh, so the Larry Cohen 1976 film God Told Me To, speaking of 4K upgrades, this has been uh, from Blue Underground, and also speaking of William Lustig, he owns this company, you know, Blue Underground. Mm. Uh, he has, uh, his company has issued uh, God Told Me To in a 4K upgrade. And I like this movie. It's really creepy. It has a really creepy vibe, and it's done in a, you know, it's it's Larry Cohen operating at, operating at the peak of his powers, I would say, and it's just... Kind of wacko and uh, just has a lot of crazy uh, plot elements that just I don't know keeps you on your toes and you know it's the height of uh, Larry Cohen stealing shots you know he would just go out and get the footage you wanted without getting permits and there's a lot of that in the film. Uh, Andy Kaufman is an assassin in the film, <laughs> so that's interesting to see. Uh, but it's basically about a bunch of uh, and it's the movie's kind of eerily ahead of its prescient I guess you would say. Uh, in that the film is uh, basically about um, people randomly conducting mass shootings, and when they're questioned, the answer they give is, God told me to. Mm. And it's a detective trying to get to the bottom of this. And it's uh, it's pretty intense in spots, uh, and, and kind of wacko at times as well. But anyway, I like it. I'm a fan. So it was good to see this on uh, 4K. It looks great. I would definitely recommend it. And uh, you also get uh, a second Blu-ray, which has all the extras that have previously been issued. So Larry Cohen's God Told Me To has now been issued on 4K Ultra HD. Out of the Blue has been issued in 4K from 1980. That was Dennis Hopper's, oh, I don't know, his third directorial effort, I believe. And uh, this is the one that... uh, stars Linda Manns, who was also in Days of Heaven. Yeah. And she's a young, a young girl whose father's an ex-convict, and the mother is a junkie, and is having a difficult time coping with her parents' problems, and she's interested only in Elvis Presley and punk rock music. I'd like to say I like this movie. It's got a great <laughs> reputation. I'd like uh, to say that. <laughs> I'd like to. I really would. 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Unfortunately, if I said I like this film, I would be lying. <coughs> Here it comes again. <coughs> Where is that coming from? Yeah, it might anyway. be dust from what you've taken from your dad's house. I think it is. I think it is. So, anyway, out of the blue, if you are a fan, which I can't say that I am. I tried. It's your dad's way of saying to you, what are you doing with my records? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just selling my stuff that I spent my whole life collecting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Um, so Out of the Blue has been issued by Severin Films. So yeah, that had a theatrical, you know, the did. regional theatrical in New York, L.A. kind of thing re-released yeah. not too long ago. It, she, its reputation know, is uh, is great. And she died around that same time, I think. She did, yeah, lung cancer, yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, Raymond Burr's in this too. He plays a lawyer, I think. But yeah, just it just kind of meanders. I thought, uh, just yeah. never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it's just not my. Uh, not my thing, and you know I know there are a lot of people who love it. I'm not trying to diss it, but anyway, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which was the Mark Sam Raimi's return to the uh, comic book to directing comic book films, I guess. And anyway, kind of a mixed bag. I've been told I haven't seen it, but anyway, Disney put it out there in 4K for anybody who's a fan. Uh, the Lost City has also been issued in 4K. That's the uh, the uh, the thing it's kind of like a almost like a remake or a retread of Romancing the Stone, where you got the romance novelist who gets caught in this wacky adventure. Which one is that? Sandra, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Oh oh Tatum oh and, yeah 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 okay. Yeah, Lost City. And anyway, from the spring, it did pretty well, I think. And um, so anyway, it's uh, been issued in 4K and um, have 50 minutes of uh, bonus content, deleted scenes, bloopers. Bullock and Tatum, the dynamic duo, Jungle Rescue, Rebuilding the Lost City, Building the Lost City, and more. So, anyway, Lost City has been issued. And, let's see, a couple other, uh, couple other Arrow titles. Let's see, there's, uh, The Righteous is a uh, 2021 film. Uh, it's a horror film that, uh, it's about a burdened man feeling the wrath of a vengeful god after he and his wife were visited by a mysterious stranger. It's filmed in black and white, and uh, I, hear, I hear good things about this one, directed by, um, I think the director's name is Mark O'Brien. And there's not really anybody in the cast that uh, that I was uh, picking up on that I was familiar with, but uh, I, like I said, generally well-reviewed. And this comes with a, uh, a bunch of extras, uh, as Arrow is prone to do, and a lot of commentaries and featurettes and all that stuff. Uh, we also have The Sacred Spirit, uh, from 2021, and um, so it's about a UFO UFOologist who um, one of its members dies, and he's got a secret project to change human destiny. And uh, now the guy who runs the UF, who's the UFOologist, he's got to carry the project on alone now that his partner's been killed. And anyway, you know, sci-fi suspense, uh, the sacred spirit. So, and we're moving along to uh, Tenebrae has been issued in 4K by uh, Synapse, uh, Dario Argento's horror film from 1982. I don't think there's any new extras here, just archival stuff. But uh, you do get the upgrade to 4K Ultra HD. And let's see, just just a couple things. Uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, Abbott and Costello... 70th, 70th anniversary limited edition. Uh, this has been given a restoration. Um, one of the few of the Abbott Costello films that wasn't owned by Universal. 1952 is when it was uh, released. So it's uh, been given a, like I said, a, a nice restoration there. And then just a couple other things we have here. Oh. Let's see, we have Donna Floor and her two husbands, which was later remade as Kiss Me Goodbye, starring the late 
James Caan. And it's basically about a, a woman whose husband dies. And then uh, he's a philanderer and all that. And she remarries. And then she finds her new, less than satisfying sex life revived when the ghost of her late husband returns. It's a Brazilian film. And uh, it has a great reputation. I know it was a hit at the time of its release. Again, this is one that underwhelmed me. I tried watching it, and uh, it was 70 minutes into the film before it really established its premise. And, and uh, I was just a little bit uh, impatient by that point. It's a Golden Globe nominee Best Foreign Language Film from 1976. Donna Flora and her two husbands being issued by Film Movement with a new commentary by the director Bruno Barreto. And that's a behind-the-scenes featurette, 16-page booklet. So Donna Flora and her two husbands being issued by uh, by Film Movements. And let's see, just a couple of... A couple of Universal titles have been reissued on Blu-ray by the company Beginners from 2010, Changeling from 2008, Hail Caesar from 2016, and um, ooh, just a couple of I think I think there's one or two more for those. But um, anyway, there's a couple of like I said Universal titles, and then we'll uh, we'll end on this I guess uh, we have the uh, the documentary on the making of uh, Fiddler on the Roof, Fiddler's Journey to the Big Screen, uh, which I hear is a pretty good film. Zeitgeist Films has issued this, uh, distributed by Kino, and that's a 2022 release. A documentary about the making of the musical film Fiddler on the Roof. So uh, hmm. you get uh, Norman Jewison appears in this because he directed the film, and Topal, who had the lead in the film, is in it as well. Jeff Goldblum narrates, and um, directed by Daniel Rehm. Mm. So uh, if you're a fan of Fiddler on the Roof, and I am, and I haven't seen this yet, and I hear really good things about it. So Fiddler's Journey to the Big Screen, a uh, documentary that... Uh, I like his last movie. documentary, and I um, can't remember mm-hmm. the name of it. The Couple Who Are Married, the art director and the costumer or oh, uh, researcher. Yes, that is a great film. Um now you got me. I can't think of the name of it either, and it was made my top ten of the year. Yeah, a Hollywood love story. I think is the name of the subtitle. Harold and like something. Harold and uh, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, I can't. Exactly, Harold and what yeah. What was her name? She's she's still around, I think. But uh, yeah, she was. Yeah, that's a great great film. Beautiful film. Uh, speaking of documentaries, I will say this. Uh, this was an issue uh, a release from last month, actually. I just got around to it. Uh, the UFO incident was a made-for-television film from 1975, and the score was done by Billy Goldenberg, uh, who did all of uh, Steven Spielberg's early stuff. And there's a bonus documentary, feature-length, hour and 42-minute documentary on Billy Goldenberg on this uh, UFO incident Blu-ray, and it's really good. It's called uh, Romantic Mysticism, the uh, mm. the music uh, of Billy Goldenberg. And he they actually were able to get him, but he passed away in August of... 2020 they were able to get him in the film before he passed away and uh it's it's a quite an interesting film they go over uh his relationship working with spielberg and why he why he did not go on after duel and after the television work he basically was so busy with the tv stuff that he told spielberg to ask him to score sugarland express and he turned him down and he said can you imagine if i'd said uh, no to the tv work and said yes to spielberg and you know 
I would have wound up doing probably Jaws and all the other films instead of Johnny Williams. <laughs> yeah. So it would have been a whole thing. But, yeah, they had a real tight relationship in the early days because uh, he did Duel and he did all the TV stuff, the Columbos and the Night Galleries and all the stuff that Spielberg did. So, yeah, they, they were good collaborators. So anyway, uh, I would recommend Romantic Mysticism, the documentary on Billy Goldenberg. So there you go. Okay, another exciting month. We'll be back <laughs> next week with the summer of 1997. Yes, you asked for it. <laughs> so now you're going to get it. Mm-hmm.